How you doing? Good to see you. No snow for a change. Woohoo. <laughs> I was down in the Cape uh, with a bunch of folks from church having a prayer retreat, a retreat of uh, solitude and silence, and that was fun. Uh, so we're missing a, a number of us that are still down there. Uh, but that was uh, really positive. It was a, a good experience. Not much snow down in the Cape, but we had the same amount of rain as, as what you had. Uh, so, uh, Look, we've got uh, some exciting weeks coming up. Uh, I want you to know about uh, next week, uh, Jeff is going to be preaching, and he's going to be giving us a building uh, update. So uh, you don't want to miss that next week. Uh, the following week is Palm Sunday, and we uh, have two services uh, Palm Sunday, so figure out your, your calendar there, uh, which service you want to come to. And then the week after, of course, is Easter, and uh, it's going to be a great Easter. I just uh, encourage you to uh, invite friends or family uh, that uh, may want to come with you to church. Uh, now's the time to think about that. Uh, we turn the, the month, uh, turn the calendar page, uh, if you still use uh, manual calendars, and uh, you know, all of a sudden it's Easter. Uh, so uh, get ready for that. Well, uh, we are continuing our series uh, in James, and uh, I don't know if you've ever had uh, the challenge uh, of trying to encourage somebody uh, and it came across as criticism. Uh, you know, often we try to encourage our kids and uh, uh, we think we know what they should be doing uh, or how they should do it. And uh, in our enthusiasm, uh, it comes across as uh, criticism. So uh, I uh, had a frustrating experience uh, with my own son in this regard. Uh, I had a very positive experience uh, uh, playing sport and uh, trying to get to the next level. And for three years, I I'd, I'd tried everything I knew how. I trained as hard as I possibly could. I had several coaches. But I just plateaued. I just couldn't break through to the next level. And uh, I was kind of frustrated. But there was this one coach who was like the best coach around. And, of course, he wasn't interested in coaching me because he was coaching the best people around. <laughs> but uh, somehow he broke down. He said, look, I'll, I'll coach you. And uh, he coached me for three months. And for th in those three months, I improved so dramatically uh, that, you know, I was just totally inspired. But it wasn't just uh, the coaching. It was a sort of a philosophical understanding about how you go about improving and, and how you go about getting better. And uh, I was, you know, I just greatly enjoyed that. Well, it was like 14 years later. My son is trying to play tennis, and uh, he's trying to figure it out, and I desperately want to help him. And so uh, at this one particular tennis match, I took the video camera and I, I videoed the match, and he just played horribly, and he lost. So I thought, oh, this is so great, because now I've got it all on video, and we can sit down and analyze it, and I, I know he's going to improve. Well, how do you think that went, went by when I said, let's watch this video again? He still hasn't watched it, and he's now 24. <laughs> Didn't happen. All he could understand was he lost. And he was greatly frustrated that he lost. And he had no interest in being criticized. That's the only way he could understand it, is being criticized. And I'm saying, this is not criticism. This is going to help you. Didn't go across well. 
You know, so uh, sometimes uh, we get really frustrated when we try and help our teens. And we say, you know, it'll really be great if you'd spend extra time doing a little bit of homework or practice a little bit more in your sport or, you know, clean up your room a little bit more. It's really looked sloppy. You know, but from the teen standpoint, it's like, can you give me a break? You know, I really like work real hard. I know my room's a real mess, but, you know, who cares anyway? And, uh, and we battle. Like, how do we encourage somebody uh, and not criticize them? And when we're on the receiving end, uh, how do we feel encouraged and not criticized? Uh, this is a, a challenge that we have. Uh, it's part of life, I guess. So uh, what I want you to get out of the sermon uh, today is being intentional about being an encourager and not a criticizer. I mean, really being intentional about how to encourage people and not accidentally criticizing people. You know, how can we do that? I mean, there's... You know, God wants us to be encouragers. Uh, so let me just uh, ask the Lord to help me here. Lord, I just ask uh, every one of us likes to be encouraged. And Lord, uh, you delight when we encourage each other. So Lord, uh, give us the spirit, the attitude, the ability uh, to be able to encourage others and not be critical. So, Lord, just empower my preaching today in your name, Jesus. Amen. You know, one of the wonderful things about looking at this book of James, as many of you have already uh, discovered, is it's very practical. Now, for many people, uh, they would say, you know, I, uh, I got the right belief. I understand Jesus. I understand, uh, I got my theology figured out. It, I'm, I'm good with God. I don't really need church because I understand, I believe, I believe in God. I believe that he died on the cross. I've received him into my heart, and uh, I'm good. And then you come across James and Jesus and John, and they say, well, that's not good enough. I mean, not good enough, not in terms of salvation, not good enough in terms of maintaining your salvation, but it says it's not good enough in terms of living out your salvation. Because now all of a sudden, you see Jesus and John, and particularly James, is saying, well, with your faith, you need to do something with it. You need to be practical. And so as we read, like every little section in James, it's like really practical. He's saying, do this, do this, do this. So let me just uh, read today in this little section of James. And today we're at uh, James chapter 4, verse 11. And it says this, don't speak evil against each other, brothers and sisters. If you criticize and judge each other, you are criticizing and judging God's law. But your job is to obey the law, not to judge whether it applies to you. God alone who gave the law is the judge. He alone has the power to save or to destroy. So what right do you have to judge your neighbor. Wow, this is actually quite a uh, hard little passage. Uh, yes, James is, is really saying, look, don't judge, don't be critical, don't slander. You know, you, you really need to be nice, uh, not only to people in the church, but people outside of the church, but particularly people in the church. I mean, your, 
your, your immediate brothers and sisters, your, your neighbors within the church. Uh, but it's quite a, you know, complex little passage. Exactly what is James saying here? Well, let's just, the first uh, verse, verse 11, the first part of verse 11 is, is somewhat easy. Don't speak evil against each other, dear brothers and sisters. Uh, you know, there's just a tendency for us uh, to gripe or to find fault or to, you know, it's easy to sit in the pew uh, and to be critical about the youth making too much noise and the youth, it's easy for them to sit in their pews and say, oh, the adults are half dead, you know, liven up a bit and, you know, or the worship isn't this or, you know, preaching's not that or, you know, whatever. You know, it's just easy to be critical. Real easy to be critical. Uh, it's a whole different uh, spirit and a whole different attitude to be encouraging and to sort of ignore the things that need to be ignored, but not ignoring the things that shouldn't be ignored. And there are times when you need to, you know, address an issue or a problem. And the wrong way to do it, uh, which is often the most popular way to do it, is, you know, somebody will come to me and they'll say, you know, so-and-so in the church is a real pain in the whatever, and this is what they're doing wrong, and, and you know, you really need to fix them, and, you know, they, they just said, and I'm like, why are you telling me? Uh, that's called, like, triangulating. You know, it's like, okay, you tell me, and then I'm supposed to go fix them. That's a terrible formula. Uh, the right formula is, you've got something against that person. You go and talk to them directly. Well, straight away, half the conversation just won't happen because, you know, you'll find that you're just not as critical when you've got to actually speak to somebody about it. But uh, that's the right attitude to have. You, you've got to grief. You go to the person and you say, hey, let's work it out. Uh, you know, don't triangulate. Uh, this is my beef. But if we look at the rest of this verse, uh, it's a little more tricky. Uh, if you criticize and judge each other, then you are criticizing and judging God's law. What exactly is going on here? But your job is to obey the law, not to judge whether it applies to you. Well, we just uh, read earlier in James a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago, that James kind of sums up the whole law, so to speak, this way in verse uh, in chapter 2, verse 8, he says, It is good when you obey the royal law found in Scripture. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so what James is getting at here is he's saying, Look, uh, you know, try not to be too critical. Try and be more loving. Love your neighbor. Uh, your job, job is not to be the judge. That's God's job. Your job is to try and love on people, encourage people. Uh, you know, summing up the whole Old Testament, the whole law, love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, you know, if we can really, like, experience that, if we can experience being loved, and if we can e show love to other people, it'll just go, like, so far. I mean, it really is what it's all about. You know, so much of uh, Christianity is misunderstood. Uh, so much is uh, people feeling like, Okay, we know the truth, and now we need to just tell people the truth, uh, which is half truth. Uh, we need to love people. It needs to be both grace and truth. 
And if your experience of church or of God hasn't had a strong dose of love, then I really kind of question, what is your experience of God really all about? I mean, you, you, you're worshiping a different Jesus or a different God if uh, the God that you're trying to worship is just a God full of rules. I mean, God is interested in love. He's interested in loving you personally. He knows everything about you. He loves you. The starting point for understanding God and understanding Jesus is that he loves us. I mean, that's like the most important thing. He loves us, and he's like for us, and he's trying to encourage us, and he's not really that critical of us. But yes, he wants us to change and develop. But God is God of love. He, he just really loves us. You know, the, the challenge comes for all of us when we're trying to uh, help somebody along. Uh, we can see what they're doing or the way they're living is not according to God's word. And uh, they're claiming to be Christians. And uh, now we're trying to encourage them to change. Uh, the challenge we have with this, and it's, there's no answer to this, no easy answer, is like how do we participate with the Holy Spirit in terms of timing? Uh, whatever the person's, whatever's irritating them, uh, irritating you about them, whatever their lifestyle is that you want them to change, uh, you know, we always on like the fast track, like, okay, you accepted Christ last week, you should be perfect this week. Like get rid of all that sin and, you know, just be a great, perfect person. Uh, and, you know, it doesn't work that way. Somehow we have to have this, Grace where, okay, what somebody's doing is not the most biblical thing, it's not the most godly thing, but if God is changing them, if the Spirit is working in them, then we need to cooperate with the Spirit. Uh, we tend to just like get ahead of the Spirit. You know, we spend like 40 years, you know, working and developing a sin. And then uh, we finally come to, to the Lord and we expect to be like perfect in a week. You know, it's like, can we give people a little bit of grace just to, to change? And Yeah, I think, uh, I think God wants us to, to love people. Uh, look what Psalm 101.5 says. I will not tolerate people who slander their neighbors. I mean, God is saying, like in the Old Testament, the New Testament, you say, look, I, I don't like people that criticize, slander, judge, you know, are just harsh on, on their friends, on their neighbors. The church neighbors, the literal neighbors, uh, people at work. Look what it says in John, 1 John 4, 8. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. I mean, the starting point is God loves us, and God is love. If you don't know God's love, you don't know God. You, you're worshiping some other Jesus, some other God. I mean, I, I don't know what, but God is love. So if you're following along in the bulletin insert, the first point I want to make is be an encourager, not a criticizer. Being an encourager, not a criticizer. Well, you know, the antidote for uh, criticism uh, might be something... Uh, like hospit hospitality or being hospitable. Uh, if you find that, you know, you just like find somebody irritating or they annoy you, uh, one of the questions you might want to ask yourself is, have you spent any time with them? 
I mean, do you actually know them? Have you had a meal together? Have you hung out together? Because often, when you get to know people, uh, your attitude towards them changes dramatically. When you understand where people have come from and what they've gone through and why they're at the place that they're at, often, not always, but often, you have great uh, understanding. Your, your compassion for them greatly increases. And so I think the antidote for you, you know, being critical is being hospitable. Uh, if you practice hospitality, if you've got some grace for people, if you're willing to get together with people, uh, I think God helps us to understand them. We just have a lot more tolerance. We just, uh, we just like people. And that's one of the reasons why uh, we're such a big fan in this church of life groups, is because uh, we believe that if you want your life to be transformed, uh, transformation will happen much quicker if you sit around in a circle than if you sit in a Bible study in rows. I mean, sitting in a Bible study is good. You, you, you learn about the Bible. But if you want to be transformed, sharing your life with each other, oh, oh that's, a whole, that's a whole nother level. Uh, so we are big fans of like, can we be hospitable? Can we get in, little, in homes and form small groups and, and over dinner? Uh, you know, ha have relationship? Can we understand each other? Can we just talk about our own lives? And then can we apply the Bible? But can we spend a lot of time like just being hospitable? Now, in my life group, we do communion every time we get together. Because communion is the Lord's Supper. It, it, you know, God did communion in a small group with his disciples. It was in that context that he was sharing with them. And that's, so that's why we do communion in each small group. It's a way of saying, God, we want to be transformed. We, we do it your way. We, you know, how about leadership in the church? I mean, here's an overlooked criteria for leadership. Hospitality. I mean, think of it. it you know, when we, when I or when churches generally want to hire somebody, I mean, what do you look for? Okay, do you have an MDiv? Are uh, you qualified? Uh, you know, how many years experience have you got? Okay, you're good. Let's get it on and do the job. But, you know, from the Apostle Paul's standpoint, he said, wait a bit. One of the criteria should be is like, how hospitable are you? And he said, well, I'm just trying to hire a worship leader or a life group leader or an associate pastor or... Uh, how hospitable are you? He said, well, what's that got to do with the job description? I mean, it's going to like, you know, I'm going to lead a Bible study. I'm going to lead worship. No, no. How hospitable are you? I mean, that's the way Apostle Paul says. Let me read it to you. This is 1 Timothy 1.3. This is a trustworthy saying. If someone aspires to be an elder, okay, that's a fairly significant position, an elder. He desires an honorable position. So an elder must be a man whose life is above reproach. He must be faithful to his wife. He must exercise self-control, live wisely, have a good reputation. He must enjoy having guests in his home. Wow. Well, you know what? When you think about it, it's not that strange a concept. I mean, it's strange when you put a job description together and you think, okay, I want you to do this, 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 and that. 
But if somebody has the gift of hospitality, or if you're just being hospitable, you're practicing love. You're practicing reaching out and loving people, and you're interested in people's lives. And that's why Paul today, if you're going to be a leader in the church, that's like really important. You should, you should be able to do this, and this should be something you do often. How about just newcomers? You're new to church today, or you've been coming a few weeks, and uh, has anybody offered you, invited you to go out for lunch or join them for coffee? Or I mean, that sort of should be what happens, not because we have a program to do it, because people just like to do it. Uh, you know, when Liz and I immigrated to the States, we didn't know anybody in America. Well, actually, that's not true. Liz had an aunt in uh, Washington, D.C. Uh, but besides her aunt, which we'd never met in our lives before, we didn't know anybody in America. Uh, we showed up at the Vineyard Church, uh, then in uh, Framingham, and I've got to tell you, uh, we just loved inviting people over. I mean, from, right from the get-go. Not because God told us, not because uh, I felt any guilt or com compulsion to do it. I just wanted to do it. Liz and I just wanted to invite people over. And, uh, you know, we ended up having this tiny little house you know, all, in all places in Wellesley. We had no clue that Wellesley was like a, a ritzy suburb. We just thought, well, whatever. So we have this tiny little house, a little cottage on a lake in Wellesley. And uh, we were just like every Sunday after church, we're just like whoever was available, just, hey, do you want to come for lunch? Come over to our place. Uh, we, we, uh, going to a restaurant was a foreign concept. I mean, we didn't have any money. So it's like, we're not taking a restaurant. We come to my house. You know, we'll give you something. And people would show up and they'd say, wow, bread. What are we having with this bread? And I'm like, well, bread and cheese, cheese and tomato. And they said, no meat? I said, you put meat on that? What's wrong with cheese and tomato? I mean, but, you know, so we smartened up and realized, okay, we've got to put a couple of other ingredients. But what we, what we realized is people just ended up loving coming over for lunch. I mean, okay, so we even got better at cooking. I mean, that was like an afterthought. <laughs> just like, can we hang out? And every Sunday we'd have people over and, more and more people would come, and it just became something we did regularly. I mean, and then, you know, our little place was teeny. We just, like, pack in there. It's like you could hardly move in there. And, uh, you know, then friends from church would say, hey, you know, we, we'd like to do that. And then I, it was the most bizarre thing to us because, okay, well, why don't you? And they said, okay, well, first what we have to do is we have to remodel the house. And I literally watched people do this. They remodeled the house, then they had to get new furniture, and by the time they'd done all that, they'd lost interest in hosting people. They just had a nice house with new furniture. <laughs> and yeah, we were just packing in our little place. We were just loving it, just enjoying hospitality. You know, there's something about when you're in your 20s and in your 30s. Uh, that, that age group just loves to hang out. And they've got time and they just want to, you know, connect. And then you have kids and it's like, okay, it's not so easy to just hang out. I've got to figure out kids. And, and then you become in your, like, your 40s and your 50s and you've still got kids. But now they're teenagers and they're all consuming. And... And then finally you get, you know, to the other end of it and you say, wow, I've got free time again. I, my kids all left home and can enjoy hospitality again. It's, it's what uh, God would, would really want for us. There's, a, there's an interesting survey which has uh, come out. Uh, it's done by the Baptist uh, Church of all, uh, you know, Southern Baptists. And uh, they've got a sort of depressing uh, statistics, as most uh, church statistics seem to be, uh, and that is that, you know, over the last nine years, uh, every year 
has been worse in terms of the number of people that have been baptized and therefore the number of people that have come to the Lord. And uh, they've noticed an alarming trend in the effectiveness of evangelism within the Baptist church over the last 50 years. Now, the Baptist church has been one of the stellar, one of the best churches at reaching people and loving people and bringing people in. And uh, the upshot of the survey uh, is this. They say, well, why is that? So this guy, Tom Rainier of Lifeway Christian Resources, uh, found found this when they did the survey. He said, there's no sense of urgency. People uh, today are just lazy and apathetic to reach the lost. It's like, okay, so somebody doesn't know Christ. Oh, well, too bad. They don't know Christ. Whatever, you know, let me carry on. Whereas in the past, there was always a sense of urgency. It's like, I really want people to know Christ. Uh, You know, somebody doesn't go to church. I I really want them to come to church. Uh, You know, there was just a sense that you're missing out on something if if you don't know Jesus. Your, Your life just could be better if you knew Jesus. And there was a... There's always been a sense in the past that if people could just get to church, if they can just connect to Jesus, uh, life would be better for them. Whereas more recently, people say, well, you know, either I've asked somebody and didn't work out, so I've just given up. The second uh, thing that they found out is most Christians don't take time to, bef- to, to befriend non-Christians. You know, like I'm, I like my Christian friends. I only want Christian friends. My church life is full. I'm in mean, every single group you can imagine in church. My whole week's full. I don't have time for anybody else. I mean, I work and I do my church stuff, and that's all I've got space for. And they're saying, this can be a problem. You lost interest in people who don't think like you, act like you, talk like you. You just you find them repulsive or, you know, whatever. I don't know. And then the third thing they found out was uh, Christians are now becoming more known for what they're against than what they're for. You know, we're against this, we're against that, we're against everything. And it's like, well, what are you for? Well, I don't know. So that's, that's been a problem. And then the last thing that they found out is that uh, what worked in the past, evangelism strategy is just not working now. I mean, so, you know, the things that are tried in the past, the program worked, just, they just don't work. And so they're kind of running out of programs or running out of plans. But I, I say all this, uh, to say that uh, hospitality, I think, is having a whole new day. And it's not a new idea. It, it, it's sort of an old idea. You know, uh, the Roman emperor Julian in AD uh, 360, this is like after Christianity had its day and, and the emperors were really like, go for Christianity. This emperor came across and he said, I hate Christians and we're going to get rid of uh, Christian worship, we're bringing back the pagan idols, we're going to worship every other idol, we're going to slaughter animals in Rome, and we're going to worship whatever we want to worship. And he was really irritated with those impious Galileans, Christians, because they had the goal to be very hospitable. I mean, they took care of the poor, but what really got him guiled was that they didn't take care of their own poor, they also took care of the poor, the Roman poor. And that just, that just freaked him out. He said, I can't believe it. These despicable Christians, and yet they take care of the poor, their own poor, and our poor. Wow, wouldn't that be a kind of a cool, you know, label if people are saying, you know, Christians today, they just, they irritate me, but man, they just love people. They just, 
take care of people. Like, so generous, <laughs> you know. It's like, wow, that'll be a, that'll be a good label for us to have. Uh, you know, hospitality is really interesting in other parts of the world too. When we've gone to Spain, uh, people seem to bend over backwards to host us, and it's not like they want to host me because I'm the pastor. They they want to host anybody that comes on our missions trip. Uh, I mean, like people are sort of fighting over, hey, I want to host them. No, there's only five of them coming. Well, we've got 12 of us who want to host. Well, I will have, no. And you, you realize like afterwards, people are like competing. Can I have them? Can, they, can this person stay with us? So we go as missionaries, and they just want to host us. And the only reason they want to host us is because we're coming in the name of Jesus. It's not because we can speak well to them or we bring them money or anything. They want to host because we're bringing the name of Jesus. And it's, it's really interesting how hosting and loving people uh, is really a big deal. I, um, I want to close uh, with just thinking about Jesus. Uh, think about who Jesus was criticizing. Thinking about, think about who Jesus was socializing with. And thinking about, think about who Jesus was winning over. Uh, Jesus was criticizing the Pharisees, the religious people. Listen to this in Matthew 23. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees are the official interpreters of the law of Moses. So they practice and obey whatever they tell you, but don't follow their examples. So they tell you to practice and obey whatever they tell you, but they don't do it themselves. Right, For they don't practice what they teach. They crush people with unbearable religious demands and yet never lift a finger to ease the burden. And Jesus was mad at these people. I mean, Jesus was mad at the religious people because they were doing a lot of religious speak, but they weren't doing a lot of loving. And God is love. And Jesus is saying, look, of all the stuff that they should be uh, communicating is that God loves them and God is for them. But they're not. They're telling you a whole bunch of rules and regulations, and you can't do this, and you can't do this, and you can't, and can't, and can't. And Jesus was really mad at them. But if you look at the people that Jesus hung out with, I mean, where he was eating with, and who he was eating with, tax collectors, I mean, you know, the up and out, the rich people that were disconnected, the rich people that were hated and despised. Oh, Jesus like, hang out with them. Jesus would hang out with all sorts of unsavory folks. I mean, look at Luke 5.29. Later, Levi held a banquet in, the home, in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. And look who shows up. Many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests also ate with them. Now, if you just like kind of picture Jesus hanging out with Levi, I mean, it seems like he liked tax collectors and Hang out with Zacchaeus too, separate occasion. You know, Levi invites Jesus. Zacchaeus, Jesus invites himself. Hey, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house. But Jesus liked to hang out, socialize with unsavory folks. Now, I don't know what the conversation was when he was with the tax collectors, Levi. But let me just guess that they were probably drinking a little excessively 
and their language probably wasn't like totally savory and they were probably gluttons and their friends were probably making a mess of things too. You know, and it, who knows, somebody probably slapped Jesus in the back, you know, Jesus, have another beer, you know, like, well, who knows how they were? You know, can you believe those idiots down there? And uh, who knows how they were? But I tell you what we do know is that Jesus, like, didn't seem to be that offended by that. He was willing to just hang out with them and ask them questions. And invariably, when Jesus finished hanging out with them, they changed, not Jesus. Uh, you know, there's something interesting about that. When you think about the people that got won over, people was, Jesus was winning over these folks that he was hanging out with and eating with. And I think there's something there for us today that we should hang out with folks like that. So if we want to be an encourager, the second point to making the bulletin insert is we should practice uh, hospitality. We should practice hospitality. Uh, one of the worship team uh, come on up. And Jeff, why don't you come and share some thoughts from this morning. But let me just uh, close uh, as Jeff and these guys come up. Uh, Jesus, I just ask, uh, can we be more like you? Can you help us to be more like you? Uh, Jesus, can we get excited about hospitality, about hanging out with people that are different to us. Uh, and more than that, Lord, would you give us opportunities? And Lord, can we be like you in this regard? Can we be comfortable in an uncomfortable setting? And can we be good news? And can we be light? And can we share? So Lord, I, I just pray, Lord, I, I pray for myself, I pray for your people, uh, Lord, that uh, we can be less critical and we can become more encouraging, more hospit hospitable, more loving, and that we can truly practice the royal law of loving our neighbors, starting with those in the church and then those outside of the church. Jesus, we just thank you. We thank you for what you are doing in our lives. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Well, Jeff, uh, we're praying this morning, and we always like to try and ask the Lord, give space to God, and say, God, is there something specific you might be perhaps doing today? And so, Jeff. Um, yes, yeah, so first I'd like to invite the prayer team to come on up, if you guys would come on up. Um, what we'll do is I'm going to share some words that we had this morning, and if you feel like today's message, if the God's been speaking to you, if you hear some words here this morning while we're singing this last song this morning. Why don't you come on up? We'd like to pray for you. So if you're part of the prayer team, could you come up and join me? Um, when we met, there was a scripture that came that came to us, and one was, it said uh, in Isaiah, the Lord says, I'm looking, look, I'm placing a foundation stone, a firm tested stone. It's precious. It's a precious cornerstone, safe to build on. And the idea was, from this side of the cross, we know that cornerstone is Jesus. And maybe this morning, if you've been listening to the message and you've been thinking, I I've been critical, you know, how I how I present Jesus has been kind of a critical spirit. Maybe you'd like, you know, prayer for that and and to, and to take these words, how to be an encourager. Maybe you've been on the other end of it. Maybe you've felt criticized and maybe be the victim. 
of some of this, and you'd like, I need some help through that. And I've got an encouraging word for you because Jesus said, do unto others as you'd like them to do unto you, he said in Matthew. And so this morning, if that's you, if you'd like prayer, if this morning's message, you're like, I wanna, I'm not sure I can be hospital, hospitable how I can do that, guess what? You can practice on one another and look around and say, I'm going to invite them over today <laughs> because it's yeah. really not about our house. It's not about your furniture. It's really about what they see in you, and hopefully that's the beauty of Jesus. So if you need prayer this morning, like prayer for anything like that or, or any kind of health need or other need, just come forward. We'd love to pray for you this morning. Thank you.